Hello, everyone. This is Jason. And this is Christina. And this wel- is welcome. Just <laughs> <laughs> start it over. I can't start. I'm not starting this over. Just welcome to Three Things Podcast. Welcome to Three Things Podcast. I already said that. Oh, I thought it was starting over. <laughs> 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 so we have an exciting guest. This episode this week is uh, pretty exciting. Um, we're super excited to have um, Tish on the show. Yes, Tish Thornton, a liturgist. Liturgist. <laughs> Can you start over, please? Come on. Okay, I'm not good. We'll start over. I'll just edit this out. Are you okay? Hello, everyone. Hello. This is Three Things Podcast. That's right. And I'm Jason. And I'm Christina. And thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Yes. And thank you for listening to our show. Oh, we appreciate it. Yeah. You know, people have been saying they're listening. It's <gasps> catching me off guard. Yes. I like Somebody it. came up to the other day and said they really enjoyed the episode with Dermot. Oh. And I was like... Well, that's great because that was a great episode, but I'm it even shocked cool. that you're listening. <laughs> what? You're listening? Well, we got I people. thought we just listened to ourselves. <laughs> I, th- I, I don't even sure our kids listen. But. No, they don't still. We've been begging, but yeah. I think we might have to use money as an incentive. The stickers yeah. aren't working. Anyway. That's not what we're here to talk about. No. So did we already mention Tish? Tish Thornton? No, our new guest. Yeah. Our next guest. The guest that's pretty awesome. The now that you're going to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a long episode. Um, but cool. It's a cool. It gets down some deep, heavy stuff. Very deep. She has a really cool, awesome job, which we're going to talk about, or she's going to talk about. She is, and I wish I could have her job. Maybe they can make another job just like hers and then hire me. That's my dream job. Literatist. That's weird. I never knew that would be your I didn't job. know either until Tish talked about her right job. Right on. It's my new favorite job. That's right. So, by the way, if you, for our listeners, um, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at three things. No, it's three underscore things underscore podcast. Yes. At Instagram. And uh, check us out. Follow us there. We're, get, we're trying to up our Instagram game. Yeah, we're not very good at it so we're gonna so. like put some videos on maybe short little videos and things like that um please uh follow our podcast on spotify or mm-hmm. apple Podcasts so or wherever when you we say follow you got to scroll all the way to the bottom you have to look where you follow is the button and then give us a rating give us a star two stars three stars whatever many stars you want to give it give us some stars yeah just follow okay so anyway thank you for tuning into the episode um i think you guys are going to really enjoy it and um let us know yeah email us uh hit us up on insta um let us know you're watching the show and always right remember the best thing you can have in your hand is the the hand of a friend there you go hello everyone Hello. Well, I guess I was saying hello to everyone else. Oh. But you can say hello. Hello. Hey. World. World. So this is Jason. And and this is Christina. And this is Three Things Podcast. And we're coming to you today from our basement. From our basement. And um, 
Do nice we, and cozy with do, the dog. Do we talk at all about your adventure today? Oh, yes, I um, <laughs> fell from my house to my garage and sprained my ankle and spent the morning in the emergency room. Yeah. yeah. Now I have crutches. So when and I'm you, not very good at them. I think crutches make a they're dangerous for me. I'll probably break yeah. my other ankle. Yeah. I think <laughs> hey, can you take one of the earphones mm -hmm. off? Yeah. There you go. So yeah, she fell like and when you say you've to house to the garage, it was like six inches. Yeah, just a step. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you, yeah, just a step. You're anyway, kind of, you're kind of messed up. Well, I just yeah. wanted to share that. We got to get that on record. Yeah, let's make sure everybody knows that. All right. But with that being said, we have a very exciting guest on our show today. Mm -hmm. um, and um, she was on our list. Yes. And we talked about the list. So people know mm -hmm. the list and we, she was on our list. And so we're extremely excited. But before we get started with her, Christina, what are you drinking? I am drinking this great wine from Pundit. That's the name of the wine. Okay. And it has a cool owl on the front of the bottle, but I think it's a Syrah and okay. it's kind of tasty and I'm moving out of the reds and I'm going to get ready for white. So I'm sucking up all the reds in the house first Okay. because the spring is coming. Spring is coming. And what yeah. are you drinking? I'm just drinking a little Jameson on ice. Okay. So good Irish whiskey, good Irish whiskey today. Good for and you. Uh, it's a sipping whiskey because mm -hmm. it's uh, we learned in one of our last guests that the reason why Irish people drink a lot is to spur conversation. And That's so we're right. having a great That's conversation. Right. So with that being said, uh, let's cheers. Cheers. And um, our guest, Tish Thornton, is on the show with us today. Hello, Tish. Hello. Hi, Jason and Christina. <laughs> so good to see you guys. It's yeah. You. Yes, it is. Uh, and before we get into I have all thousands of 152 questions and things I want to talk about. But before we do that, can you just maybe give our listeners a little insight into you and the space in the world in which you live? Sure. So my name is Tish. I'm, I'm living in Boise right now. I'm single. I was married for 25 years. So I have three adult kids. Um, one of them is married. No grandchildren yet. <laughs> um, and I have a job that I love, a great, really rewarding um, inspiring job and challenges me every day and I have a big extended family so my parents live here and two of my sisters live here and then I've got siblings scattered out all over but I've been I've been in Boise for gosh 30 years now oh. so, I'm yeah. sorry say that again 30 30 years I've been in Boise for yeah I was born in California so, well, if oh, you, so you're one of those people traveling from California to Boise. Right. Yeah, you, you don't want to tell people that here. It was Everybody a long time mad. ago, though. I, I mean, we still. moved here in the 70s. So I was going to say, 30, still, I wouldn't tell people. Was Boise State was still, or Boise State wasn't Boise State? It was still a no, junior college was, in the 70s. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't remember. But it was, Maybe. if it wasn't Boise Junior College, it wasn't too far. Right, yeah, from, from that, from that yeah. right. You know what I. I think it was Boise State because okay. I visited it while I was at college and it okay, was so, Boise State. Yeah, but you weren't yeah. here in the yeah. 70s. Oh. No, I mean, it was 1977 when I oh. moved here. Oh. So, yep. I know. Now I'm really dating You're right. 
I, I apparently can't do math. So <laughs> where'd you end up going to college, Christina? I went to college. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> where? Right. Oh, where they had no math classes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, now you know why she's an English Which teacher. Which is a long story, but we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> she's an English teacher. Yeah. They don't do math in the English no. department. No, I actually no. took a class in college. My only math class was called Math for Poets. And literally oh. it was called that. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could have taken that oh, instead I'm, of the math yeah. I took. No, what's your degree in, Tish? I have a degree in English literature. <gasps> oh. oh, my favorite. <laughs> I know we have a lot in common, Chris. Oh, we are going to have to sit down and chit chat for sure. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, on. Yeah. Uh, oh, Tish, tell us real quick. Just uh, give us a frame, our audience, kind of a frame of. Uh, are you reference you practice your faith in what kind of context or yes so I'm a Roman Catholic um, mm -hmm. cradle Catholic as they say and um, you know very faithful regular churchgoer and as part of my job and you know so even if I didn't have to go because of my job I would go anyway but then I go more than most people because I have to be there I mean I go <laughs> Not more than Jason, that's for oh, no. sure. <laughs> no, 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 I bet you do. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, so I'm a practicing uh, Roman Catholic. It's it's a big part of my uh, my personal life as well Very as good. my professional life. All right. Well, so then let's ask the most, well, not the most important well, question, but the question to start us off. What are you drinking? Okay, so I prepared for this. Actually, so two things, oh, first yes. of all. This is a drink I actually do love. It's called the Vesper. So it's a cocktail. Oh, and I love your glass. Isn't it That's pretty? A, yes, it's yeah. a beautiful glass. So, so it's Vesper. Okay. Vesper, yeah. So I thought, what should a liturgist drink but a Vesper? Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's very tasty as well. So it's, too, it, it's pretty strong, which is why I haven't started drinking it yet. Because I want to be coherent for the rest of this yes. conversation. So it's two ounces of gin, half an ounce of vodka, and then a quarter of an ounce of Lillet Blanc oh. and a lemon twist. Very nice. Oh my so, goodness. Okay, she wait, just wait. put us, she just yeah, stood you us, put us you, all to yeah, shame. Right. So what is Lillet Blanc? Lillet so Blanc? It's a it's a aperitif wine from France. It's sort of like, it's like a liqueur, but not, you know, it's like one of those little things you put in a cocktail. So you've got your gin, your vodka, and then the flavor oh, okay. or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's kind of, it's nice. It's, it's kind of mild. So. Oh, wow. And mm -hmm. I love the glass. So is that, Thank you. And that is it? Yeah. Do you have a whole set of those? I do. It was a gift to me from one of my friends when I, they were here having drinks and she said, your dishware is like you're still in college <laughs> and it is she wasn't wrong so she bought me these really really beautiful glasses those are great glasses yeah. i'll tell her you like them yes so is this a uh is this a special treat drink or is this a this come is home a kick the shoes off? Okay. this it's so it's a seasonal thing for one thing it's only like spring and summer mm-hmm but no, I do not like come home every day and shake up a cocktail <laughs> <laughs> and put on some high heels and a little. That's right. I get you my pearls. The, yes, but, yes. But the high heels have to have little the high heel slippers with the little fuzzy. Yeah, they have that big puff on the toe. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah right. 
And my yeah. frilliest apron and yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I don't make cocktails um, very often. So usually I come home and have like a glass of wine, but I just, you know, for you guys, I thought, well, wow. I'm going to do Thank it right. Thank you. You did it right. Yes. You did it and right. now we have a new drink to try. A spring and summer drink too. I like it's, that. Yeah. They're, yeah. They but isn't that... You picked a good, you brought up a good point though, right? We have seasonal drinks, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we started our podcast here um, in January is when we were recording some of the episodes. And so the, a lot of our guests emphasis on like hot drinks, and, right. mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, and then all of a sudden now we're moving into that spring season. And so it's time to yep. start well, doing here's spring. Christina saying she's going through the reds and she's about to start on the whites yep. for spring and summer. So, yep, yep. And then every year, every year before camping season starts, I come up with a good summer drink that I'm going to oh. like drink and I get really stressed. I have to create something really tasty <laughs> and then I'll drink it all summer. But yeah. um, what yeah. was that one year? Were there those, those Michaeladas or pina coladas? Oh yeah. We, we gained them, we 65 them... pounds combined one <laughs> yeah. summer because we just went off on this massive pina, pina colada. colada. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. It's just like, yeah. And, and we called them Michaeladas because oh years ago, a friend made them on a 4th of July. And uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we'll just stop there. We'll, stop. well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I saw him shake his head like, no, just saying, don't tell I'm that. I'm just saying, story. anytime you start singing Coming to the America on the 4th of July, yeah. Well, Kids are lighting off fireworks. You've got a problem. So yeah. no, that's awesome. That's yeah. how the Fourth of July should be. <laughs> when my husband starts singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all wonder what? how many Michaeladas. So anyway, have? we got on this. We got on this total kick wet summer, and it was just Michaeladas. Like all, and the thing was, there's you know they're so sweet, mm-hmm. and the and plus Icy so cold, right? Yes, and then yeah. when it's outside, it's hot, so you get the cold, and then the yeah. sweet, which makes you more thirsty. Yeah, those and go down you, really oh, easy. Oh yeah, they were very nice. Yeah, yeah. so. I'm not kidding. We just sort of like like a puffer fish. Oof. We just puff <laughs> so right up. So you get to autumn and you're like, what? Happened? Yeah, what oh. happened here? Wow. Oh, it must have been those Michaelottas. It's the Michaelottas. Yeah. Mm. That was great. That was great. That's right. All right. I can't with wait the... to try this drink with my friend. That's right. So do you have a favorite? I mean, I know this is your favorite special, but do you just have a go-to? You said wine earlier. There's, yeah, like the one, the thing I do, I come home and have wine every night. And well, that sounds terrible. No, um, it no, it doesn't. Not in this house. That sounds normal. <laughs> I like there's, you know, after I get home, I'm, I'm, I can't, like, I'm done. I'm wearing the bathrobe, so I will not be going out again. And yeah. I have a glass of wine. And usually it's like Chardonnay. Yeah. Oh, so I've okay. been mocked for that, but I don't care. I like it. So. <laughs> Yay. Thank Why you. would they mock you for Chardonnay? I, apparently it's just not drink anymore. People <laughs> don't drink it anymore. I mean, it's, what do I know? I drink style. it. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. Hey, they well, still they make it. it. Yeah, they, they still make it. You know, I'm buying it. So <laughs> say what you want. Those Martini and Rossi, you know, two gallon jugs are still for sale in the grocery yeah. store. So. Yeah. So somebody likes those. I had a friend my, that did you too? I was going to no, say my, well, my parents buy the gigantic wine in a box, like yeah. the big, and mm-hmm. I have seen them when it's done, rip apart the cardboard and like literally <laughs> wring out that bag that's inside. So oh, you got to get it every last drop, yeah. every drop. <laughs> you do. You just, yeah. that's why you buy them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Now, uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, 
what what are you reading or what are you listening to or what so are you watching? So you guys promoted this question and I pondered it for a while because English major. So mm -hmm. what you're reading is like very important. The thing <laughs> is I started this um, COVID book club back, <gasps> well, a year ago. And there were a bunch of women on it who, so one of them lived in New York City. So she truly was locked down. She wasn't going anywhere. Oh, right. And okay. she was like, I'm going crazy. I need something to do, you know? So we decided, and this was the thing we thought, well, won't it be great if we, if we have enough time to read War and Peace? Oh, wow. So we're like, that's never gonna happen. Lockdown's not gonna last that long. Well, it did, <laughs> so yeah. we read War and Peace. Oh my goodness. Then we read uh, Overstory by Richard Powers. Oh yeah, I've heard about then that. Then we read Middlemarch. <laughs> and now they're starting on Beloved and I can't do that because that's Holy Week and I'm getting busy. But um, I didn't like War and Peace, didn't care for it. I, I don't, I can't do the Russian novels, <laughs> except I did read and I did like Crime and Punishment. And I don't know if it's a translation issue or what, but I loved the Overstory. So if you guys haven't read that, it is, I think such a good book. Now that one's about the trees, mm -hmm. right? Yes. yes, I have a friend who told me about that. So yeah. what did you like about it? Well, you know, it's five different trees and I think nine different people and how their lives and these trees interact. And it first of all, it's beautifully written. I mean, the guy is a seriously brilliant writer. So it's just lovely to read. You just read it and it's like, oh, that's mm. a good sentence. Oh, that's a good sentence. Wait, that's a good sentence. And the stories are great. It's real stories. It's not um, so avant-garde. It's pretty avant-garde. It's an odd kind of plot, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the stories are so compelling. The characters are so compelling. You want to find out what's gonna happen next. And they all intertwine and the trees all intertwine and you sort of see how they're touching each other's lives and how they come and go. Uh -huh. And it's just such a great book. And then, so that's one. So like, it's just good literature, it's good reading. And it's really compelling information about trees. You know, trees yeah. are unbelievably phenomenal creatures. And the things we don't know about trees is ridiculous because yeah. I mean, there's just a lot. And and he puts all of that in there, but in an entertaining, really inspiring mm. way. So these trees, like I I read the book and I'm like, I will never cut down another tree. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care if it's falling on my head. I will never cut down a tree. I just, you know, and I know, I know how that sounds crazy. <laughs> No, and, no, just yeah. don't chain yourself to a tree. <laughs> well, I mean, and there's some of that too. Like there are characters in there that that do that, you know, the whole tree sitting thing where they climb up to the top. And it's not, um, it's a definite position to take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like I don't want to be political about this. I think, I think that it, it gave me a different way to look at a created thing that's Very not, the way we see, you know, it's animate for sure, but it's not an animal. Right. As far as we know, we can't inflict suffering on it. It doesn't have feelings. But the way this book was written, it was like, oh, oh, there's a plan. There's a plan. And, and you guys are just barely tapping into this plan that the trees are a bigger part of. So it's very cool. 
Oh, wow. So that, that does sound cool. The, the opportunity to have sort of your viewpoint adjusted and changed. That, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, a great story. Well, and to be yeah. honest, um, literature that has that type of environmental theme or ecology theme are not always the go-to book for me. Right. But this book I've heard so many good things about yeah. made me think about, and now that you've explained it even more, I, yeah. I love the concept of trees and, um, I mean, didn't you talk I love to, to anthropomorphize the trees, right? Yeah. Make them, yeah. make them that they might bleed or cry or weep, or right. I love the idea that they know how we're feeling or, you know, I love that, even though I know it's, it's not how it is. So I might have to try this book. Did you talk about this book? No, really? we haven't talked okay. about this. I'll, my friend told me about this okay. book, but okay. yeah. two, two of the things I, I, just to go back because I'm stubbornly persistent about stuff that I love, but you know, the stories are incredible. Like you will start reading and you just won't want to put the book down because you have to know what's going to happen next to this person or That's this tree. Cool. And then it's just so the science is incredible. You know, the yeah. things that you don't know about trees. I mean, and, and you're right. Like there's all this feel good. They feel how we feel. They don't, but right, the science right. around them is, is more compelling than that. And, and just as unbelievable, it's just amazing. So yeah. I have not, it's been a minute since I've read a book that has inspired me not to put it down. So I think I'm just a little bit envious that you have found one had had that experience recently. Right. Yeah. I, and, and I, I read, um, and I think I shared this, you know, I've shared this before I read in spurts, you know, where you read, I'll read three or four books and then I'll take a month or two, sometimes three and not even like open the newspaper. Right. And then, yeah read again but i haven't had that kind of compulsion to read a book in a long time i haven't stumbled on a book like that that's what i guess find that your desire to read is sort of siphoned off by like online stuff like i read a lot of you know papers online and stuff online and i feel like that's that does kind of siphon off my desire to actually pick up a book and read i think for me yes because i I have always loved reading and, and it's funny that now I have more time than when I, when the kids were in the home. Yeah. Um, but back then I read more, like I would yeah. read while I was cooking. Mm -hmm. I read all the time, but, but now um, when I go to bed, I often just read news stories or I like national geographic and, mm. you know, um, Do you Smithsonian. Read yeah. I read it on my yeah. phone before I go to bed That's and I, I should be reading just a book. Right. And yeah it's, I don't know what it is. I, I think sometimes the reading on my phone takes less work. Yeah. Like it's, it, it definitely does. Yeah. yeah. And so my brain doesn't really have mm. to attend as much as if I'm, you know, reading a book. Yeah. So I go, I go to that and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to stop because it's not good for you. The, mm -mm. the light isn't good, but I don't know. We don't always do what's right. good for us. Right. <laughs> Well, and, and for me, it's like I go in topics or genres or, you know, motifs or storylines. So like I one time I'd read nothing but books about um, Arctic exploration of trying to find the, mm. the, the infamous Northwest Passage mm -hmm. between the oceans. Right. And so I read you know a bunch of books in that. And then, um, oh, who's the guy that wrote Devil in a White City? Um, oh, that, um, um, 
his uh, yeah anyway uh, Scandinavian name anyway I've you know so I read wrong those lot of his books they put together something. Eric yeah Eric and then um so I mine my reading I think it's just I mean truly governed by what I'm in the mood to read about yeah right um so I don't know like you're learning you want yeah to like when, when you guys were kids did you like because this is how I used to pick books I would go to the library and just pull a book off the shelf and, and open the front thing and read that and go okay that sounds like some or it's not I mean I I never do that anymore I if I walked into the library I'm always looking for a book that I've heard about or read about so did you were you that kind of reader when you were little or yeah when I was little I mm -hmm. uh, yes and and I still do if I go to a bookstore I um I mean it's overwhelming obviously yeah. so many books but you grab one or two based on what the cover looks like or the title of the book right. and then I read the back I rarely read um, when they say, oh, this is recommended by, you know, because I'm like, that's just your job to tell me that. That is exactly So right. I don't want to yes. be swayed by that. But I do appreciate when you get those independent um, little uh, newspapers, independent booksellers, yep. newspapers. Library journal, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. I like to hear what they say about different yeah. books. You are um, very wise. <laughs> And, you know, at school, I have uh, been encouraging the students, well, before they read anything that I'm going to give them, I make them go out and read all sorts of reviews about it, mm. whether it's like on Amazon or just previously written uh, reviews by, you know, newspapers and whatnot, and let them see how those reviews are written yeah. and hope that in the future they make that a practice to read the reviews of something yeah. might help them choose more wisely but isn't that a great little feeling when you go to a bookstore or library yeah. and you just randomly pick a book off the shelf and you're like okay and then you take it home and you're like this is the greatest book i've ever read mm -hmm. i mean you feel like you just want to you know found a treasure yeah. right you're yeah. like this is fantastic that's a great feeling you know the this um one time i took my two youngest to a hockey tournament in logan utah was it logan was it a hockey tournament or was it the i'm hockey sorry camp? hockey camp yeah, yeah yeah and i was staying in our rv trailer and um the kids were at camp all day and there was a little bookstore downtown a used bookstore and i went in and i picked up a copy of uh christina laverin's daughter Oh, by yeah. Sigrid Unset. Mm -hmm. And I had no, I'm like, well, this sounds interesting. I went back to the trailer. I read that. I sat and read mm -hmm. that entire book that whole day before I picked up the kids. And the next day I went back and I bought all the other yeah. in the series. And I just front to back read those um, that in a few days and just Which is really so hiding hold in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like, like, you know, one of the best books ever written. And the fact that, that you could just randomly pull one yes. of the best books ever written off the shelf. Yes, I know. It was amazing. nothing about it. Nope. Yeah. And, you That's know, amazing. and it's the letter, it's the letter U. So it comes at the end where you might right? just quit looking. You just like walk all the way to the <laughs> yeah. end. There's nothing good in those last letters of the alphabet. That's we'll right. <laughs> but I do love that series. Hmm. Yeah. So you knew you were, I mean, obviously English literature major. Um, yeah. I mean, you had a passion very early on, I suppose, for reading. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. Do, have you ever entertained the idea of actually writing a book? 
Sure. I mean, I, I, or have written... you, do we, no. is this a thing we don't know about? Yes. You? Okay. <laughs> True confessions I've written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish, you know, here's the thing. I have written pup poetry and short stories and I tried to write a novel, but I, I've decided I do not have the bandwidth to write a novel. So I can write poetry and short stories and I love doing that and I can do it and I feel good about it. But I have tried and tried to write a novel and I just, I don't think I have it in me. So, yeah. But yeah, I've always you, wanted to write, so. Do you ever submit your work for publication or mm -hmm. is it just- I've had you're some stuff to... published, yeah. Then that's mm -hmm. good. That's yeah. good. Short stories or poetry or both? Poetry and then essays. And I do a lot of freelance writing for liturgical training publications. Oh, okay. So, yeah, in, in the context of my job. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I would agree. Uh, I like writing too. And, yeah. but I, I write, I guess you would call them essays. They're really not short. They're too short to be a short story, but um, I've always wanted to write about my family, but I don't think they would like that. <laughs> so I, I'm holding off for a while <laughs> to see what the future holds. And I've toyed with the idea of writing um, with my daughter, like a mother daughter mm, book nice. where she writes a chapter and I write mm -hmm. a chapter about our two perspectives on an, um, one particular thing. Mm. And, but I have tried to, like when COVID started, <laughs> I said, oh, here's my chance. Cause I've got this big idea that I want to write. Okay. So, you know, Monty Python, Holy mm -hmm. Grail, right? Mm -hmm. And I once had the chance to see it as the musical and I want to write the Odyssey as a musical and do it the same way that the Monty Python. Yeah. So I'm like, COVID is perfect. I'm going to write this amazing musical because, you know, I can <laughs> sing too. And, and it's going to be funny. And I sat oh my down God. and yes. wrote this whole day and then asked Jason to read what I wrote. And I, I, I like good criticism, but I heard that criticism and I stopped. Yeah, I'm like, apparently I'm not good enough. Oh, no. <laughs> wow, Jason. Not, not good enough. I mean, he didn't say that, but in my head, I thought maybe I can't write a, a musical. You know, I was I my jokes were either for high school students or they were, you know, not funny. And um, <laughs> I don't know. And, and not everybody likes a good British comedy. But anyway, <laughs> it's still sitting on my computer one day. I might it's a pretty dry sense yeah. of humor you have yes. which i appreciate <laughs> i love it i mean yeah. i see the odyssey in my head i'm like i know how this is gonna go but getting it out and yeah anyway that's funny. so i didn't get that done <laughs> so that would be your preferred like medium if you were gonna do the odyssey you would do it like a as a musical as comedy a musical comedy yes that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually he's my idea is that he's dead you know and he's looking back on his life yeah. so he narrates his yeah. i mean the props alone <laughs> i can just you know a cardboard ship <laughs> yeah and it would be funny as they just rock in the ship you right? know as they yeah. dance his men dance across the floor yeah uh, they're they're eating their lotus yeah yep great great times <laughs> for odyssey <laughs> that is good that is good <laughs> So yeah, Tish. Now, so like going back to the writing, then. So now, uh, Christina threw out the musical. You've thrown out the novel. Scared you off. 
Not doing it. Um, don't have the don't have the bandwidth. Don't have the discipline. I think. Yeah. Well, you might you might have to share where you published your poems. I would love to read them someday. I can definitely do that. I can send them to you. Or okay. I, I mean, there's what there's a couple in some anthologies, like little books here and there, but uh, nothing in like a magazine that I can okay. send to you. But yeah, I would love to. Well, that's yeah, yeah something I love doing. So. So then I don't know how this kind of segues into, I mean, are we done with the, mm -hmm. do you, I guess the, um, other than reading, um, do you podcast, do you watch movies? Do you do any of that other stuff or is it reading your primarily, your primary <laughs> At the risk of sounding now incredibly boring. <laughs> no, Jason, all I do is read. <laughs> That's okay. Wow. I don't like, I, Okay, nobody goes to movies right now. No. That's just not happening. Um, yeah. I don't, I do listen to podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. I don't, um, I don't do podcasts. This is my first, my first podcast. Yay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I like, I'm a birder. I mean, I'm already out. I like to be out watching birds and, and doing stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I'm very social. I have lots of friends. I had to go to stuff with my friends. Now I feel like I'm at camp. <laughs> I'm going to make you guys you a mean? friendship bracelet when we're done. <laughs> but yeah, my job is incredibly absorbing. I mean, the thing about my job is besides being a job, it's very creative, incredibly creative. One mm. of the things that drew me to liturgy. Oh my goodness. I never thought of it that way is the language so if yeah. you're a poet and you understand yeah. that the words of liturgy are efficacious so what i'm saying is bringing something into being it's like yes i i want to do this and then the prayers themselves are so beautiful if i mean that's one of the things i'm always telling people which you probably remember from your classes you have to read the prayers they are telling you what you believe they are telling you what you are bringing into being mm -hmm. and they're beautiful the language is it's poetry so mm -hmm. to have the opportunity to express that you know through a ritual i mean there's nothing better than that for me and then you know sometimes i get to write prayers i get to write um yeah. you know, those sorts of documents that are so satisfying so it's you know, it's a really absorbing, fulfilling kind of job as a creative outlet to me. I, I think it is. So, well, wow. so I, I don't want to, um, I, I really don't know what you do at your job. <laughs> I mean, I, I, because liturgy is liturgy, but, yeah. but so. Uh, it's not like it changes every day. So what do you? <laughs> I mean, no, okay, all right. I hit the button. I push the That's right it. button. Uh, the these right earbuds are going out. No, it, no, it's a fair question because it, because you guys understand this. You know, mm -hmm. the church is not hugely innovative when it comes to its ritual. Um, the benefit I have is that very few people really understand what the ritual is so 
And that's a good thing because ritual is supposed to be catechetical. You're not supposed to like get it on a brain level. You're supposed to do it. And by doing it, you went, you learn, you feel the theology, you absorb the theology and that's how it should be. But, you know, somebody has to know at some level um, why we're doing all this stuff we're doing. And that's, that's my job. So that's okay. one thing. And then the other thing is I do, I do get to write a lot of prayers. The bishop's always asking me to write prayers for him. And right. then I, you know, you know, if you, if you're putting together, together a liturgy, like an ordination, say, um, you always start with the prayers, you know, what is it saying just on a practical level, what has to be said in order to make it happen. So like when you baptize somebody, you know, it's, you have to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son mm -hmm. and the Spirit. That has to be said. And that's true for every ritual. There's stuff right. that has to be said for it to, to work, you know. Right, right, right. And then all of that stuff around it, it's just so it's just so beautiful, you know. Like the ordination mm -hmm. prayer, there's actually like two or three lines that have to be said, but that prayer is a page and a half long. So so what I do to kind of answer your question, Christina, is create liturgy for the bishop. So put together, you know, his outline for everything that he has to do at every liturgy that he presides at, and then help all the parishes in the diocese understand like the rubrics and the guidelines okay. of the liturgies that they're they're together. working on. Yeah. So exactly. so you field a lot of questions. So you get mm -hmm. a lot of emails, and mm -hmm. um, yep. so you are almost instructing as well. You're teaching, kind Correct. of. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, well, I, I am a bit envious. I mean, your job, it sounds wonderful because you're working great. with words and prayers yeah. and you're working in a place where people are kind, compassionate. Oh, well, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So why I see that maybe they could be, but maybe in the real world. I mean, not. it's a job like any other job, but it's the most fulfilling thing I can imagine doing. So, yeah. That's so th good. this kind of segues in a little bit. So how, how, where's the line for you between job and faith? Yeah, that's really hard, actually. Or is there a line or should there be a line? Um, I mean, so maybe, I mean, I don't know where even those are three questions there, but. That is a good question because you hear often when people work in an arena that is also their faith. And yeah. it could be any faith, right? Yeah. That they're, they bump up on some, I mean, there are moments like in any job where you have some tension. Sure. And when it's in a spiritual arena or your faith arena, that tension might spill over into your faith, right? And, and so people get kind of yeah, I mean, I can, sad I, or hurt. I, you guys are just as versed in this as I am when it comes to that. So, I well, mean, I... I definitely know where some of the bodies are buried, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about it? You guys both work well, in, in your faith. Okay. So you kind of pose that back. So I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm serious. You know, um, I, I guess for me, um, and, and this being a deacon, right. Um, the deacon part of me is all the time. Yeah, but there's a unique part of that role when I um, put on the the alb in the stole, right? And 
and I'll be candid and, you know, I'll say this publicly, that's not my, my favorite part, Mm -hmm. but it is a, it's a, it's a necessary part and there's a reason for it and there's a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. And I under very, and it's important um, because it's my opportunity to represent those who cannot be at that mass that day um, Mm -hmm. is the way I look at it. But, Mm -hmm. but so I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, so do I look at my diaconate as a job? Um, I don't know. Do it's I look a little at different? Th- it might be, and that's, so I don't know. But I don't want to. I don't want to use that as a scapegoat, right? Because, um, you know, Christine and I, I, we talk about this. Like next week, we're ta- we're. I mean, church is out on Sunday, and we're like gone, Johnson. We're, we're literally leaving. We the are leaving. Yeah, and, and leaving this. <laughs> the car is packed, and we're. <laughs> we're gone. Right. So nice. we're, 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 t- we're taking the week off before Holy week. And nice. I'm going to go should. do some, uh, yeah, some, some adventures. Right. Yeah. And that, and that is because, well, for me, I feel that since Jason's been ordained, we do more in the church. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I will, I will say being a sacristan and doing more with the church, it's, it's like the, I know there's a phrase like, um, the veil has been lifted. And so sometimes it doesn't feel as mysterious as I once enjoyed mass and things to be now. Now, when I go as a sacristan, it's a, it's a job that I've asked, I've been asked to do right. Mm. And I want to do, but it's, you know, it's, uh, while mass is going, I'm making sure that everybody's needs are met, you know, and I, so mass comes second and I don't like that always. And then as we are teaching all of our classes and doing those on top of our regular jobs, it, it suddenly becomes tiresome. Mm -hmm. And like, usually when Easter week is over, I'm like, I'm done with church for a while. And I shouldn't be done with church. Right. But, but that is such a typical, I mean, Sure. That's how but, it is for people who work in the church. So, so, but like my, that kind of just goes back. Right. So we have lives, you have life, Tish, you know, you have struggles, you have moments, you have victories, you have joys. Um, and so when you're church all the time and you're in one of those times when things are struggling or difficulties or up against obstacles, um, you know, do, is church still a place for you to go to find it's, that source and reservoir of strength? I mean, that's such a good question. Like, here's how I think about it when I think about it. Cause I haven't really, it's not like I sat down and wrote this out and said, this is my, you know, understanding of how I deal with my faith and my job. But so yesterday was the chrism mass and, and right. that's a major undertaking for me. That's days and days of planning. It's an arduous liturgy, literally physically and mentally. And I've done it for 15 years now. And yesterday I realized in the middle of mass is the first chrism mass I've ever emceed that I was actually praying because oh. it was, it was done. It was smooth. Things were going the way. And I wasn't doing like you said, Christina, is that, are he, are they where, you know, I was just, yeah. it was all working and I was able to pray. And that was, I thought, okay, good. Because Holy week is one of my favorite weeks of the year. And yet I'm always just working my ass off like it's not <laughs> right. my guy right. but mm-hmm. here's the thing so to sort of really answer your question I realize that there is a piece of me that I protect from the job mm-hmm. there's a religious spiritual piece of me 
that responds to being in the church, being in the ritual, being in the moment that I have to deliberately protect as my faith life, not my job. It, it's very much this weird, you know, um, bipolar kind of existence, but it works for me. I keep, Would you, I keep that compartmentalized. Okay. That was the word I was going to use. Yeah, you yeah. compartmentalize this piece of you. Yeah. And it feels very deliberate to me. Like I feel I feel like there's a piece, maybe that's my soul. I don't know. I feel like there's a piece of me that I protect to keep it, you know, faithful to the things about the church that I love and, and believe and feel are real as opposed to the human stuff, the politics, the work, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, I think uh, for me, I would agree. I probably try hard to do, to practice that. Yeah. But sometimes I think about if I feel this way, imagine like maybe what a priest might feel. Oh, man. Yeah. And yet we parishioners expect that the priest would never feel that. Right. Mm. And so that's where I try to whenever there's some sort of tension right between my job in the church, not my job that I get paid with for, but my job in the church and my faith. I try to think about mercy and just mm. everybody makes mistakes or, mm. you know, or it's out of my hands or That's my mom always would say only God knows. And so I should just let that go, you know, just things like that. And then think about how <laughs> this is just me, but I bet that priest, he, he feels this <laughs> times 10, you know, and, and yeah. And needs a little mercy. Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I think that's true. It's funny. You go to that word mercy. Yeah. It's my go-to word. Yeah. Yes. At yeah. school, mercy. Um, it's, it's the only thing yeah. that gets me through is right. thinking about that, you've letting been, it go. You found that, and I not to make this sound stupid, but you found that word a few years ago in this application. Um, and I don't remember really what brought it on. There was some sort of but where this real conviction to first apply mercy in situations where especially when you don't feel like it. So do you is your job did your job help your faith or um, do you have to i mean do you feel like you're no it does today because because, of the work oh ab absolutely i mean again not to belabor this but you know the prayers of the rich the prayers and the rituals are so deep like the things that we do are so deep anthropologically I just feel confirmed in, in what I'm doing. You know, when I read those prayers, when I, I understand what went into those prayers, I think, yeah, I mean, this isn't perfect, but boy, they were, they were going for broke, man. They, they maybe didn't get it just perfect, but they were not fooling around when they started doing this stuff. And I just, I really appreciate it, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it helps. I mean, again, Sometimes you can tell people where the bodies are buried. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people who care about me say, you know, I don't know how you can be a Catholic. You know, do you know this? Do you know that? And I'm like, oh, honey, I can tell you stuff that would curl your hair. And yet here I am. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yes. Which is another way of separating your faith from all this other stuff. The politics right? and, the, yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah. the frailties and the flaws sure. and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the humanity of the, the church. 
Mm-hmm. So. so speaking of, you know, these prayers and, and it, and it, and the way you're studying the language and you, you, you are describing it as very deep. Mm-hmm. So are there, um, accidentally going back to books for a second, but like, <laughs> so like St. John of the Cross. And I mean, do you read some of these with a whole new appreciation of them? Because, because I think that what you're doing is, is growing your faith. Your job is growing your faith where sometimes for me, my faith helps with my job. Like yours is working in the reverse. And I think that's really awesome. But do you read some of those deeper pieces that often people go, oh, that's too hard to chew. And you, Um, you see the beauty in them. I mean, I have tried, you know, I, there's definitely like Bernard Lonergan, I love to understand him. Um, I don't understand Augustine, you know, I don't, there's, I do read a lot of liturgical um, theology and I do get an awful lot out of that. Aidan Kavanaugh is great. He's brilliant. Um, Donald Fagerberger, he's great. And it does, yeah, so yeah, to answer your question kind of shallowly, yes, I read a lot of stuff about liturgical theology and it does expand my spiritual horizons for sure. You know, I understand stuff I never understood. Or, or you know, I don't even know if I understand it, I feel it in a way that I never felt it before. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, like I, I didn't know this, but the original Latin prayers for like the blessing of the salt, when you put it into holy water, the blessing of the holy water, you know, those prayers still call salt, your creature salt, your creature water. They talk about these things as independent animate things that God made and they're special to you because you made them and we're acknowledging that. And that's just like, if you go past the English translation, you go to the Latin, so the more you go back or you delve deeper into these, into these texts, the more you go, oh man, that is, that is, we so smart. Catholics are so smart. They can right. get it. Yes. You know, it doesn't always come out that way, but. Well, no. And then I guess we could argue we've kind of spent the last, I mean, we figured it out, put this incredible language around it. And now we've tried to dumb it down for the last That's right. years. So, That's right. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not trying to condemn or dumb it down. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I would. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, yeah. Like accessible, I would say No, (laughs) it's accessible to everyone. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should have had one less sip of Jameson. <laughs> Maybe that was a yeah. Jameson inspired comment. I yeah, I mean that's that's a good point though, Christine. I I one of the things that I say and I think it's true, I just forget it a lot, is I learn as much about liturgy from the people who are just going to mass every day as I ever tell them. You know, they understand it in a way that that I probably don't. So yeah. So when you so Speaking of Latin, did you, when you were younger, did you go to Latin mass or was your family? I'm not just... that old. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you and I are probably very close in age. Oh, honey, I've I'm never been you. to a Latin mass. 
Oh, I you never have either. Yeah. I no, never I, have either. Mm-mm. Um, and people talk about it as beautiful and I'm See, sure I don't it is. I feel but... like that. I, I very much feel like I, I'm a Vatican II Catholic, you know, which isn't to say there's not stuff to be found and appreciated from pre-Vatican II ritual, but I'm solidly in the Vatican II square. It's just, you know, I think there has been a little carelessness in translating some of the documents. And so when I go back and find out what the original Latin says, it's sort of like, wow, that's great. Why did we, why do we, yeah. Well, how come we made that so dumb, you know? (laughs) There you go, Jay. I got it. I got her to admit it. Sorry. I I just sat quiet long enough and she eventually admitted it. That was great. so, you know, I guess the, the thing, you know, kind of on these faith stories, um, you know, we've talked about your job, we've talked about, um, you know, the role of liturgy and the beauty and you find in liturgy, um, just in your journey of life, um, has liturgy always played this role or is this obviously something that's become more important in the last 15 years as it's been your primary work? No, I mean, I... You know, I'm like any other Catholic. I had no idea. I didn't even know what it, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know mass was liturgy. I, you know, I think, I think all faith journeys are relational. I think like in anybody's faith journey, you dig deep enough and there's a person who had a big impact. And for me, um, one of my best friends is Len McMillan and he's a priest in this diocese. And his job was liturgy. He had my job um, under Bishop Driscoll. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was a good friend of mine. We had, you know, he's a great guy and we have good times together. And he's very funny and very charming. There's a facility to his personality. But under that is this incredible depth. And he decided that I would help him write the newsletter for liturgy for the diocese and I was like I didn't know any better so um I started doing that <laughs> wait a minute didn't know any better to say no Is that what <laughs> yeah, you I, I literally knew nothing about it if you were if like a, ah, why not <laughs> not kidding if a neuroscientist called me tomorrow and said hey I need you to write a newsletter on neuroscience I'd be like that's I would know as much about that as I knew about liturgy when I started this <laughs> I knew nothing I was like okay but you need to tell me what to write and I need some background so he started sending me all this stuff you know worship magazine and thesis papers and books about liturgy and and it really turned me on and here's the thing all of this was happening at the time that the Roman Missal was being retranslated. So right. all of the text, everything I was reading was all about language and liturgy. And that was right up my alley. Right and that's how, that's how he got me. So I started doing that for him and I wouldn't have for anybody else, but I loved Len, you know, mm-hmm. and I was willing to do it for him and he loved me and we had a great relationship. We still do. Um, but if I had not followed somebody's, hand I would never be doing this and I think that's so true in anybody's faith journey like there's a relationship somewhere Mm -hmm. nobody just wanders into a faith path and and sticks with it somebody has to be there 
So that's how I got started was just through a person that I, that I loved, that I was close to. And right. Yeah. Well, that's a great, just a great comment. I mean, just the thought about that, right. Is mm-hmm. who, who are the actually embodiments, right? What did their face look like? What are the names that they have? Yeah, who are these? What people? did their when I held their hand or when they put their arm mm-hmm. around me? You know, what did that feel like as um, I ventured out on these different journeys of faith? And yeah. um, that's a great, just a great way to, to yeah. share that. that just I just think fantastic. it's so true. Yeah, I just I think it's so true. And and again, you know, I'm like anybody mm-hmm. else. I'm pretty lazy. If I hadn't deeply loved this person who said help me (laughs) I would never have done all the work required to be able to appropriately help him and in doing that work it became my work sure yeah well just some insight that he understand uh, understood you as well right Mm -hmm. that he knew what the button he knew what what to what would feed you what would feed you (laughs) and what would move you forward Exactly. I think you're right, though. It, there's always a an an impetus for anything, especially like a faith journey. You're not going to just all of a sudden, yeah, without Mm-mm. any inspiration or impetus. You know, that person who just maybe even said just a sentence or asked a question, yeah. and then you're thinking about that question, which then spurs you to move forward. Yeah. So I like I like that that you and said I think that. about like my favorite. I think about that you know, poems and poetry about fate, you know, like John Donne and mm. I mean, there's so many other ones where they're, they basically say, you're going to have to do this because I'm not going to do it for myself. Like whatever it takes, do it because I want it, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm too lazy. I'm too whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> or yeah, or just too incapable. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I think about that on a, on a personal level um, in, you know, in the midst, in the midst of this Lenten journey that we're on, yeah. right? Um, that recognition that I'm incapable of achieving any sort of righteousness, yeah. right? On my own and, and recognizing that, uh, assuming that penitential stance and position yeah, and then, um, Speaking of, how has your Lent gone for you? This Lent has been great. I'm not good at Okay, Lent. we're done. I, no. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's all fun. Because I have no friends, Jason. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You said you have lots of friends. Oh, right, right, right. Lots of friends. And, yeah. No, this Lent has been really good. I've been very disciplined, and that is very unusual for me. So oh, wow. So good, yeah. in the, good in your in your in in keeping to your commitments and your sacrifices keeping to my commitments and sort of understanding why i'm doing that as opposed to just like this is some weird random thing i'm doing for 40 days you know yeah right yeah but you know i think it really has helped this year this lent this covid stuff this well just the whole idea of I'm not going to do this myself. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give this thing up. I'm not going to do this perfect. I'm not going to. You have to do it for me. So I've sort of totally been like, I don't know if you know this poem. There's a poem called The Sun This March. Um, And the last lines are, 
uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, fend my soul for me and true savant of this mm. dark nature be. Because I can't do it. You do it for me. And so that's sort of like my, that has been my guiding light, this Lent of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this um, alone at all by myself. At all. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Well, good. That yeah, we'll is see. Good. How's yours going? <laughs> That's a good way of thinking about it. I'm going to try that next year when I go into it. I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, this year's a watch. Yeah. This, this is, is all gone. Like, this is kind of hell. Think like and, tish and then think about. Oh, God. How no. <laughs> really, it's, well, it, it it's, it's always hard. And then you think, well, I'm doing this for him, but instead I should be, he's, he's doing it to yeah. me or yeah. To, yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My, my Lent has been an interesting Lent. So uh, going into Lent, uh, I guess I'll just model what I hope my, I guess I should model on our podcast what we hope, but going going into Lent, I was um, I was really confronted with this idea of persona, um, mm. and the personas that I have created, um, you know, good grief, since I was a junior, you know, in junior high, right? These these uh, fronts and pieces and parts of me that um, you put in place to protect or shield or to get acceptance and you know now as the old bald fat guy finally find the courage to go you know do these personas are they still working or you know what how have they morphed over the years and and I, so I'm, I'm not trying to get like too deep into that but that's kind of where my lent started was just this really uh attempt to become self-aware and then to examine um and so to sum it all up, this Lent. <laughs> yeah, you sort of alluded to that in your email. Yeah, it's been a pretty, it has been a pretty, um, and I, not because I'm, I don't know, it just, I don't know, like Christina, you know, she has challenged me to find something, you know, a piece, a, a joy moment in every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Are you sort of a curmudgeon? Yes. <laughs> Curmudgeon is the key word. I In fact, know that about you. years ago, Jason, well, he is a happy-go-lucky, funny, funny man. So, yeah. but curmudgeon is what he sometimes wants to strive for. Like it's mm. his goal to be the <laughs> old man who yells at kids who accidentally ride their bike through your yard. Like he right. wants to be the old man that comes out. Oh, you crazy kids. Rah. Get off my lawn. Yes. Get off my lawn. So, which I think is mainly him talking as a joke, right? Like yeah. he just is making. So I read this, I, 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 uh, emailed father Hugh a while back ago mm. and I said, I need to learn more about St. Jerome. Mm. And so he gave me a couple books and, you know, they're Father Hugh books. And I read this book about. <laughs> they're um, this big. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I read this book about St. Jerome and I've always had, I mean, I, you know, I've worn his medal um, or I wear, or, you know, worn his medal and, and had this thing about St. Jerome. And the thing that I, 
always loved about saint jerome is he's sort of the saint that's known for cussing right he's the grumpy mm. old man yes, saint. he is grumpy yeah um <laughs> so i read it read this book this biography about him by this author and saint jerome and i got into a fight <laughs> and uh, he got mad at me and um him and i haven't been talking but so i had this is i had in fact, this jason's uh medal fell right off one day i got done reading the book and my metal chain broke my saint jerome metal chain broke jason was a little so disappointed in I, jerome. me and jerome are in a fight i'm a little irritated at it that's uh, fair but with that being said i'm saying you know there was this part of him that i'd always admired was this true cranky grumpy old mm-hmm. man yeah and then I read this novel, and or not a novel, I read this biography. I'm like, dude was kind of a jerk. So, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but I mean, I'm just saying, um, I don't, the curmudgeon piece, maybe. Um, but yeah, so my Lent has been, has been interesting. This, this idea of, pers- this idea of persona. Has yeah, really- like you really are trying to go through a conversion process of like a reversion process, like yeah. to go back through personas to the essential jason yeah that's tough it is well if you think of you know the things that we put in place right so i don't please i'm glad you're far away from me right now but <laughs> a, a people say that, that to me all the time i can yeah. tell you <laughs> yeah. yeah right um but your comment earlier about um you know that compartmentalization mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um that you you do and i that's what's I have been really examining examining is that compartmentalization. Yeah. That part of those parts of me um and and where they where they fit into the whole. So that's what my Lenten journey has been about. So well, so I wonder if you feel like that that's something because I very much feel like I do that to protect those parts of me. So protect it, protection is different from, you know, um, so from let neglect. Me, like yeah. So, you know, if, if we are not as human beings, if we're not capable of compartmentalizing, mm-hmm. um, we will, we will destroy ourselves, yeah. right? Nobody wants to be around someone who is incapable of compartmentalizing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I mean, just give the simple example, right? Is nobody wants to be in church with the guy that stands up and says F you in church, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm I saying? Do. I mean, everyone that's funny, but no one really wants to be in the room. Everyone feels uncomfortable when that mm-hmm. happens. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, compartmentalizing is a, a essential skill um, mm-hmm. that we as humans have to do, um, you know, for what it is, whatever it is, right? We, we have a, we get in a fight, uh, you know, but I got to go to work in the morning, yeah. right? So do I got to go to work and then just be a jerk to everyone at work? Or do I got to have the ability to compartmentalize and to, to do the tasks I got to right, do? Right. So I'm not trying to get away from that aspect. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is just maybe understand where those personas um, became more than just a, they became a crutch, right? They became, mm-hmm. yeah, they're um, not, yeah, I could, and in to do the exact opposite, right? So I, I personify this piece, or I present this piece, not to draw people in. But as Christina, you know, talks about the curmudgeon, to push people away, right? Mm-hmm. But to do it, this is where that other side of all of us have right we can do that 
and yet nobody gets mad at us. We, if we're good at doing that, pushing people away, but if we're we're charming or if we're funny or if we're all those things, we can push yeah. people away and they'll they'll never know that they're being pushed away. That yeah. here's the quote that started this, and uh, Audrey Hepburn his quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's at least credited to her whether or not she actually said it. Right. Because, you know, right. internet. But I love this. It says, um, I don't want to be alone. I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's that piece, right? We, as humans, we never want to be alone. But boy, we sure want to have control over who comes in our life and the impact they have. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a, as a human being, as, as a Christian, as a deacon, um, you know, that just had to really examine that. Who am I pushing away and why? So and it's, anyway. been, it's been interesting for me because, you know, I know I've known Jason, you know, since middle school. Yeah. So I, right. I am. Um, and in, when we dated in high school, I knew both the persona and the real Jay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to me, that was weird then. I didn't understand it. Like, cause I, I like to just be who I am and mm-hmm. this is just who I am. And I, I didn't get his struggle when he, when he struggled with that and he shared that struggle with me. I was like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't get that. And now I look back and I can see why, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people in high school create that in order to survive through school. Yeah. And I see it every day that they create a persona yeah, sure. that's not their real personality, but it's this thing that helps them get through whatever. Well, I think as adults, with. you have to learn to be appropriately vulnerable. And that's really hard to do. You know, uh, it's really hard to do. I mean, it's. Well, that, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to. I mean, here comes my challenge back to you just a little bit. What do you mean by appropriate? Right. If we let's take the model of Christ. Right. Um, and what when was he vulnerable? Um, and so I think of a couple of instances that come right out. Um, uh, we see the vulnerability of Christ, um, obviously, in his passion, but. I see it, especially in his interaction with the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, I see it especially come out when the woman who touched his cloak mm-hmm. for healing. Um, you know, I see it these these moments when I guess that vulnerability when he allowed people to come into his world, into his existence, and into his space that had no cultural right to be there whatsoever. Yeah, they had no business being there. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes I, I so I question that word even appropriate. What does appropriate mean? I don't right? know. I mean, that's a really <laughs> good I, I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. I think that's the question of the ages. That's the question that is everybody's job to answer. You know, um I guess so the real question is, is there such a thing as inappropriate vulnerability? Yeah, right. I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Because sometimes I wonder, you know, if if maybe it tips over into some kind of either self-exploitation or exploitation of somebody else, that's inappropriate. 
but I don't, but then we might not be talking about vulnerability either. We're talking about something else, but, sure. but I, I don't know, because, you know, I very much personally feel like self-protection is, is necessary. Like it's sure. something I practice deliberately all the time. And I know but, that that's not a hundred percent healthy all the time. Well, so if you, if you don't want to answer this question, don't. And if I'm being inappropriate, um, you can tell me to be, be quiet. Appropriately vulnerable. Yes, no, but, but my my question is just simply this: You had to learn that I'm assuming through pain and hurt, right? Oh, yeah. You had to yeah. learn, right? So so through a wound, and through the struggle to heal from that wound, you had to learn you know, how to put uh, covers um, over those, those wounds and, and, and scabs and scars and all those things. I'll, I'll take this off of you for just a minute. When our kids were little, um, you know, we had one TV downstairs um, and that, the video games were set on that TV. You know, the, that's where the kids came to watch. And of course, they, we had all these crazy rules about how who, X and who could be on and when they could mm -hmm. be on and for what purposes and what reasons. And, and our daughter would cut and our daughter is the third child. And she had two older brothers who were 13 months apart and they were just vicious little redheaded, horrible monsters. <laughs> and she would be down here playing the video game. Right. And they would come down and they knew they couldn't touch her. They knew they couldn't take control of her hand. They knew they couldn't turn off the TV so they sat next to her and just did what brothers do to mm -hmm. sisters mm -hmm. and pick and pick and pick and pick and pick and pick and pick. And then she'd get mad and come storming upstairs, tattletale. And in our house, that you, there's no such thing as tattletaling. Yeah. And I look at Gabby and I say, Gabby, where are you right now? And she's like, I'm up here. When what are you doing? Crying. And I said, where are the boys? And she's like, they're downstairs. And what are they doing? They're playing the video game. <laughs> and I said, so who won? Right. <laughs> Who won? They pushed all your buttons. You have to develop some covers so that you don't respond to the things that they're doing. Right. Um, you know, I mean, so, I mean, we have to do that, right? We have to develop covers or we'll just melt. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? We'll just have these incredible moments in the grocery store where people just start walking around you because they're wondering what the hell's happening to you. <laughs> That's true. So, they look at you funny. Why people keep walking around me. Hey, <laughs> yeah. like, whatever's going on might be contagious. Give her space. Um, but you know, so I, I'm with you. I'm with you, right? We have to develop some covers. That, that is that is a very good way of describing what I think I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think the challenge is when when do you stop? When do you take the cover off? Like when do you decide? Well, every time you do, it's going to be a risk. Yeah, but risk, right. but but that's a chance for growth. Risk, right? Right. It's also a chance for getting hurt again. Yeah, it's a chance for further hurt. Exactly. But it's yeah. a. But I mean, the, the and truth I'm not of the Jesus, matter. so you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, none of us are. None of us are. But I am not the Messiah. <laughs> but you know, that just that's the point, right? Is we have to be know that mm. when we do that we're taking no, that I risk disagree. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not taking a you're risk. not there yet huh? not doing no thank you <laughs> well no i hear you i think you're absolutely right i mean we all have our growth edge or whatever and um 
and I say it so condescendingly. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's definitely true. Uh, it, you know, I think just recognizing that challenge right there. You know, I I do. I think vulnerability is hard for everybody. I think you know you found that out this Lent. Mm-hmm. You know, to to be yourself without all of your little personas is very vulnerable. It's a big risk. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that, you know, sometimes I, I'm not sure we can do that. It's hard. I'm not sure I can do it. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not sure I've been successful. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a good challenge. I Maybe not. Maybe that's a ridiculous. <laughs> I, look, I'm totally being honest. I'm into it now. And I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? That was just the dumbest thing I could ever do. Well, when you're well, all we, done, I mean, I'd be curious to know what you. Yeah. You know, touch, touch base with me here. Maybe I'll yeah. be alone. You know, maybe no. I'm just, you know what I mean? Maybe no, everyone, I won't leave you alone. I'm just saying, maybe everyone will be like, dude, you really need those personas back. Cause you just are not you know, remotely. I mean, if St. Jerome walks out on you, that says something about how. Well, that's because you were mad at him. Well, he's still. Ah, uh, shoot! I, you know, I, I think this might be a good place to. to yes, to wind it's been down. wonderful to talk yes. with you, Tish. And, Thank you so much, you guys. It's a shame. We we need to figure out a way to have conversations like this more often. Yeah. It's a shame I, you guys live so far away from me. <laughs> I, I thought that for a long time. So, I I hate that. There's the state of Ada, and then there's the rest of us. I little know. People. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Well, and the other thing is, every time we come over there to that site, there's always a mission, right? We yeah, always have a purpose. Going on. Yeah. We don't. Well, we have I'll to be there for a reason. You. I'll come down to you guys. Well, I next love it time, down there. next time you do, mm-hmm. yeah, get a hold of us earlier so that we can spend some time together. I will yeah. for sure. Okay. Definitely. So, so Tish, thank you for being on the show. Yes. And the thing that we like to tell everyone, right, is that drinks or books or podcasts, all these wonderful things that we carry with us on our journey. But really, the most important thing you can have in your hand is the hand of a friend. Is the hand of a friend. So. Nice. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Tish. Thank it was you. Really fun. Okay. Take okay. care.